0: Hey lady, do you sometimes feel like you've lost yourself? Are you internalizing your feelings and walking around on eggshells either at home or at work? Maybe there is something missing in your life, but you just can't quite figure out what it is. Or even worse, you know what it is, but you feel stuck and you can't move forward. Well, I have been there more often than I care to admit. I spent more than 20 years climbing the corporate ladder only for it to come to an abrupt end during a 10-minute meeting. I was so busy climbing that ladder to satisfy one aspect of myself that I neglected to take the time I needed to really focus on how to achieve true balance in every aspect of my life. Hi, I'm Anya Day, and welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, where I give women practical tips on how to find their voice through changing their mindset, identifying their passion, and owning their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So go grab your favorite glass of wine, or cup of tea if you're driving. Relax and let's peel away the layers of our complex onion to unleash our authentic voice that the world deserves to hear. Hey, owner tribe, welcome to another episode of the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me, Miss Adrienne Russell. Adrian is a brand stylist and the owner of Chick Essentials Boutique. And Adrian, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience?
1: Hello, everyone. Or hey, y'all. Hey, for the DMV <laughs> tribe that's listening. <laughs> yes. My name is Adrian Russell. I'm better known as the Brand Style Cultivator. I'm the CEO and owner of Curated Styles by Adrian. So I am a personal brand stylist that helps female entrepreneurs cultivate a personal brand style that builds them trust, respect, and revenue. And I'm also the CEO and owner of Chic Essentials Boutique, which is an inclusive women's fashion boutique. And our motto is celebrating inclusivity, all women, all shapes, and all sizes. I love it. Yeah, thank you. I'm also (laughs) a mom of three. I'm a wife of whew, 17 years now, girl, girl, man, 17 years. We've been together 20 years um, by day. I'm actually a pharmacist by training. So I'm a healthcare professional. I now work in the pharmaceutical industry. I work for um, one of the top five pharmaceutical companies and I do basically scientific education every day. I work in the immunology field and dermatology, so I educate you know, providers, nurses, practitioners on the assets that, that my company uh, represents. So that that's what I do on my nine to five. And I do the styling and I own a boutique every other hour of the day while momming and wiping.
0: That's a lot. A little bit more about your day job before we talk about boutique yeah. life. So how did you get involved in that? Like
1: what made you say, oh, scientific education? Yeah, yeah. so I always wanted to be in, I always loved science right so i always knew i wanted to be in the healthcare field i always had a passion even as a little girl just for helping others so i think i i was always kind of aligned with being in the healthcare field initially i wanted to be like an anesthesiologist or a pathologist or something you know every little child all they really know is medical school right they're like i want to be a doctor so that's how i was i want to be a doctor and then as i you know matriculated through school got into undergrad and I started to really look at the course. I was like, uh, I want to have a family. I want to have, you know, flexibility in my life. Becoming a physician is going to be like a lot more work. I have to do a right. residency. I was like, mm, let me look for something that can offer me something similar, but maybe not quite, you know, the same. So I looked into pharmacy. And I had like a really great, I don't know, organic chemistry teacher or something that I love so much. Dr. Silversmith. I want a shout out to him, even if if he's still alive. I think (laughs) he taught me at Morgan State University, old little, you know, white guy. He was so sweet. Best organic chemistry teacher ever. And he really turned me on to pharmacy. So I started looking more into it. And I was like, wow, I still can have direct patient care experience. Still be able to work with physicians, but I won't be a physician, but you know, I'll still be able to go to school, get my doctorate of pharmacy. I'm like, yeah, and I'll have a flexible life. You pretty much almost work a nine to five. So I was like, this, I think this is what I want to do. So that's when I made the decision to go into pharmacy, but I always knew I was going to do healthcare. So graduated from Morgan State and then was accepted into Howard University School of Pharmacy. And that's where I obtained my doctorate of pharmacy. And I was in the community for almost 10 years, um, because again, you know, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and wanted to save the world, right? So (laughs) I was working with specifically HIV and hepatitis C patients. Many of them were co-infected. So I had a passion for infectious disease specifically. And, you know, I was in the community, girl, like boots on the ground, educating patients, testing patients. Just I absolutely loved it. And I actually still miss it even to this day. And then I decided kind of after that 10 year run to transition into the pharmaceutical industry. And because I loved educating so much, I took on the role as a medical science liaison, which is the title of my actual role. And I educate for a living. That's exactly what I do. So now, instead of me working directly with patients, I'm working with physicians and nurses and other practitioners that see patients, and I'm able to educate them about the science behind the medications that we have in our immunology portfolio. So now I'm impacting patients in a different way. And I'm able to do that through interacting with my peers. I Um, love that. (laughs) And I have so many questions about that. (laughs) (laughs) And on top of it, the job is, it's amazing because there's so much autonomy in it. When I was in pharmacy, you know, I was basically, for lack of better words, I was clocking in, right? I had to be in the pharmacy and I was a pharmacy manager. So I was running the pharmacy site to get there at a certain time. You know, you get your break at a certain time. You got to clock out at a certain time. So even though I was doing well for myself and making good money and all those things, it was still very restrictive. Now, with me being in the pharmaceutical industry and being an MSL, I have total autonomy over my schedule. So I work from home, but I also work in the field. So I cover a certain territory, but I make my schedule. So if I wanna see customers or clients three or four times during the day, then I can do that. If I wanna see clients only on Tuesdays and Thursdays and not see them on Monday, then I can do that as well. So I have so much more autonomy. I'm able to now be more present than I ever was with my kids during like activities, let's say. And you know, I can take a self care day if I want to. There's right. so I, I just have so much more flexibility that I didn't have and I wish I had that flexibility when my children were younger, but I'm grateful that I have it now, you know, as they're maturing, I'm able to spend more time with them, spend more time with my husband. Our parents are getting older, just able to really enjoy my life right. <laughs> more than I ever have been. So as much as I miss patients, I will never go back. This job is just too, I have too much autonomy. And it was a blessing in disguise because After I took this role, I was able to launch my businesses. I would have never, I'm not going to say never say never, but it would have been much more difficult for me to have launched my businesses had I still been in on that schedule within a pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah, Because you have more flexibility.
0: I love that concept because I love to educate too. I actually came from the healthcare world as well. For 20 years, I work for the company that accredits health plans. Okay. Then I transitioned to a health plan based in Chicago and I worked there for okay. three or four years before my job was eliminated.
1: Oh, OK. Yeah. I used to work <laughs> for the plan that worked with D.C. Medicaid. I was the pharmacy account executive for that plan for it was about a year. But, girl, I couldn't stand it. I, it after a year, I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I do have that short of plan experience, but I don't know. I just felt like when I worked that role, it was just, I I thought that they were more about patience. And then I think I found out very soon thereafter that it was more about money. Mm. And that was very difficult for me to handle because a lot of the patients that that plan was managing were the same patients I was managing when I was in the pharmacy. So it's like I went from the pharmacy to that role thinking, oh, my gosh, now I can impact patients this way. I'll be on the, you know, pharmacy account executive side and I'll be able to really impact the medications that these patients are getting. And I'll be able to have those conversations, different room and really push forward really great healthcare for patients because that's what they deserve and then girl I was getting in those rooms with those executives and having those conversations and all they wanted to talk about was money mm-hmm. and I would be going toe to toe with them like yeah but the patient needs this like what are y'all talking about right. you know what that's, I mean disheartening. So, I, right I know they were looking to be like who is this little pharmacist <laughs> girl coming in here off <laughs> Off the streets of DC talk about she was to save every patient. And we in here talking about millions of dollars. Like, girl, go sit down somewhere. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I love the new role. The liaison role allow you the flexibility to really start your passion. So what made you decide? Have you always been interested in fashion? Did Have you always yeah. said, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to own a boutique? Like, how did you get to that point? I don't know about
1: when I grow up, <laughs> but... Even from a young girl, like playing dress up, I always had been like a, a girly girl or whatever you want to call it, but I really started to. I say gain an interest in fashion more in like high school. You know, that was the 90s. And Lord forgive us, fashion was very interesting in the 80s <laughs> and the 90s. But I grew up in the 80s in the DMV. And in, in the 90s, that's when I was a teenager. And just, I don't know, I just feel like it was so much inspiration around me in this area. And like my cousin and my brother, they're like 11 years, my seniors. So I felt like I was always surrounded around those that were a little older than me. So I got to see how they dress and like everyone was so fly. And I was like, oh, I just I love this just the culture of it all, color, the creativity. So I've always been into fashion when I got into undergrad, so a little quick story of how I really decided to launch my brand with Cheek Essentials Boutique. So in undergrad, the DMV girls were always known for like dressing to the nines, right? I was at Morgan State University. It was a big kind of mix and bold, but there were a lot of people in the, the Maryland, Virginia, Baltimore, New York, whatever, Philly area. And PG County girls was click clacking across the bridge and everywhere else in heels, <laughs> honey. We had nowhere to go and was right. dressed up. And our DMV men are used to it, right? I remember other guys would ask like, what's up with dogs? Women, like they dressed up like they going to the club every day and they'll be like, oh yeah, nah, that's just how they are. Like that's, it's just Tuesday. You know what I mean? So I remember going to a mall, I went into a boutique. I was trying to get a dress for this event because, of course, I had to be fly, I couldn't look like anybody of else. Course. I had to get one of a kind dress, of course, right? So I go into the boutique and I've always been a curvy girl. I think at that time I was probably almost similar to the size I am now. I might have been a size 10 then. Now I'm like a 12, borderline 14. I need to lose this 20 pounds. But anyway, I was like a 10 then. I've always been curvy. I'm 5'8, so you always had legs and thighs and everything in between. So went into this boutique, let the associate know what I was looking for. And she looking me up and down, like, and basically told me, we don't have anything for you here. Like, we don't have anything in your size. Like, girl, why would you come in here unless you were a two, four or six? Like, why did you even walk through this door? And she sent me on my way. And child, I was embarrassed, humiliated, everything in between. And in that moment, I said to myself, no woman should ever have to feel this way. Right. No woman should ever have to feel like they can't put on a certain piece of clothing and they can't feel confident and they can't feel beautiful. And I'm like, she made me feel shameful about my body shape and how I look. And I didn't feel good about myself when I left. And I kind of took that humiliation and that experience and locked it away in the back of my mind. And I said to myself, one day I'm gonna start my own brand that's gonna be focused on inclusivity for women and women of different shapes and sizes and make them feel confident and beautiful and know that they can still look fly just because you're curvy or just because you may have a different number on a scale doesn't mean that you still can't look good. Right. It was birthed from that. And then I kind of held on to it. And then years later, finally decided to launch the boutique. But that experience was the springboard for me launching my brand.
0: And that's so interesting because it is true. You Your choices are limited when you go out there and you go looking. I remember at some point in my life looking for, because I was always, I guess, in corporate America when I graduated mm-hmm. from college. And I remember going out there looking for stuff and I was always going to the same places. And I I felt like I saw people out there who were wearing boutique clothes, but I didn't know where they were getting them. Right because i didn't and at the time i really wasn't i mean social media just Mm -hmm. it really isn't my thing so i didn't realize that there was like this whole community on social media where people that's how people were finding different boutiques
1: and And i wasn't back in the day like there there were definitely not a lot of options like the fashion industry actually should be ashamed of themselves like the whole inclusivity thing you're starting to notice big brands right like Fashion Nova, etc. They're just now starting to catch on to the whole quote-unquote curvy and now you're noticing they have plus sizes. But even as early as 10 years ago, you didn't see inclusivity on the runway. You didn't see inclusivity in these big brands. You didn't see it in the fashion industry period. They weren't manufacturing these, you know, clothing that was that size. They thought that everyone that was curvy or a larger size should just wear black, gray and navy blue and wear a muumuu and look like somebody grandma basically right Mm -hmm. and then you started to see these smaller brands pop up with more starting to bring in more inclusivity and these bigger brands caught on and realized oh wow hold on there's a whole market for this for curvy women there's a whole market for plus size women oh wait a minute hold on they want to look fly too They want to look good too. Oh, hold on. We can tap into this and make money. And that's why you're seeing now in the fashion industry, all of a sudden, it's all about inclusivity. You're seeing, you know, many of these curvy models and women and representation of women that are curvier that are now getting these huge campaigns where 15 to 20 years ago, they wouldn't even giving them a second look. Nope. And now they're getting, you know, they're getting these huge campaigns. So, I mean, it's, I love to see it. I love to see it now, but at the same time, side-eye and like, have been doing this crap 20 years ago, right. but okay. You're late. Exactly.
0: When I was younger, I was always ultra skinny, like super, super skinny. I always did whatever I could to gain weight. I had a hard time gaining weight when I was younger. Start having kids and getting older and all of that went away. And I remember mm-hmm. having a challenge trying to find things that I wanted to wear that I could fit or that right. fit me nice, because, you know, it was the fours, the six, the, the smaller sizes. Uh-huh. I remember I tended to gravitate towards Macy's, and mm-hmm. it used to be called Learner back in the day, girl. New York and County. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, girl, yes. it, back
1: in the day. Look, we the same Macy's. I don't know what you keep saying back in the day. I told you I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> in the 90s, I was a teenager, but I was born in the 80s, 1980 to be exact. I'll be 41 years old this year. So I know what you're talking about. Those were the days of the department stores, honey. Exactly. Especially in the DMV, my mom would drag me right on in the Garfinkels. You remember Garfinkles, yes. honey? Garfinkles yes. was like the Nordstrom back. Yeah, that then. was the Nordstroms. Was, that was the Nordstrom, honey. Like so we graduating departments- from Morton's. We ain't going to Morton's no more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was like Garfinkels and Bears and Macy's, like you said, Woody's. Like that was the time of department stores where that's where you went to shop. Like boutiques weren't really big then you know right. when we were growing up and now it has become more a bigger thing now
0: yes I love it I gravitated towards like I like the New York and Company had Jennifer Hudson like I gravitated to places that showed women of color who looked mm-hmm. like they were my side you know what exactly. I mean exactly that wasn't mm-hmm. just this perfect stick figure like I was yep years, years and years and years ago so
1: yeah, that representation is so important and I try to definitely make sure I show it with Chic Essentials as well with models, et cetera, making sure I'm showing different shapes. Like I'm one shape and size, but then I have a plus size model that's a different shape and size and I'm actually getting ready to add one or two more models to my team that are like smaller or more petite. Just so, like you said, it's it's a connection when a potential customer can look a campaign or an ad or whatever on social and see someone that looks like them. It just hits different.
0: So yeah, I remember gravitating towards them because they look like me. And you're right. Like women are different shapes and sizes. Everybody doesn't look the same. If so, we would be boring. So I love that. I love that you're shining a spotlight on that. And what I need to tell you what attracted me to you. So I, I first met you at... I'm trying to think Laura of the Foods boss lady event. Thank you. I was about yeah. to try to, I was trying to yeah, think that of that boss
1: lady brunch. Yes, uh-huh. that
0: brunch that she had. It was the day that Kobe passed. I remember that. <laughs> and I remember observing you because you were this person who sort of was like quiet, but you could tell you really wasn't quiet. <laughs> quiet. That is exactly you were absorbing the room. Mm-hmm. We're like Checking people out, not saying too much. Like, that's kind of how I am. I don't, I'm more of a reserved person, especially Mm -hmm. in new settings around new people and not like active food at the time. But you know what I mean? (laughs) You know how you could
1: just tell somebody has like a good spirit and you had to. Yes. No, thank you. I love to hear that makes me feel so good on the inside. But no, I'm very much an energy person. So I know exactly what you mean when you say that? Like, I'm not going to say 100% of the time I'm right, but usually when I meet someone, it's like usually a certain aura or energy I can get off that person. and It's like, if the energy for me is off, if something seems sketchy, I'm running the other way because I have too much going on in my life and I do not have time for any weird negative type energy. So if the energy's off, I typically... Will distance myself. So it's funny that you said that you could kind of sense that about me because that's how I am when I'm observing other people. I can kind of sense energy. Mm-hmm. Of course, if energy is positive, right, or it's electric, that's you want to get close to it, right? It's going right. to attract you to it. You want to be around that positive energy. And if it's negative, you're like, uh, no, you you want to repel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I am. Very much an observer. So what made you get the courage
0: to say, okay, I'm really going to do this thing. I'm going to go after my passion and I'm going to start a starter boutique. Mm-hmm. Like what makes you say, oh, I'm"? how am I going to, like, how do you even fit that in with Girl, your normal life?
1: Listen, I will tell you that I had so much self-doubt for a very, very, very long time. Like I sat on that experience that I described to you earlier, that happened more than a decade before I actually decided to launch the boutique in 2019. Because I mean, I was in that was back when I was an undergrad. So we about That was like two, the early 2000s. I graduated mm-hmm. in 2003 from Morgan State. So we talking about fifth, almost 15 years. I sat on that. But in between, I had three children. I was starting my career as a pharmacist. I was climbing my, the ladder there. And I was newly married. So I was a new wife. And I was just juggling all of these things. So in my mind, there was no room for anything else. Now, was that actually true? Probably not. I probably could have found a way to make it happen. But in my mind, there was nothing else I could do at the moment. And I think over time, I started to lose myself a little bit, right? As women, or as wives as moms, sometimes we do that. We just pour so much into like our families and our babies are so important to us and our husbands or significant others, what have you. And we don't really focus on ourselves. So I wasn't taking out the proper time for self-care and meditation and just like, you know, time for myself. And what are you passionate about? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to go after? I was just so busy focusing on career Wife life, mom life, career, wife life, mom. It wasn't time for anything. I barely had time to even be with friends because a lot of my right. friends, they were in their 20s, early 30s. They were still partying and living it up. I was a mom of three at that point. Many of my friends didn't start having kids until their later 30s or whatever. And by that time, my kids were already 10, <laughs> 11. Now, you know what I mean? I had my son at 24 my, my or 23. I had my first daughter at 24. And then I had my last at 29. Literally, I had all my kids in my 20s. And my kids, my friends were like in the club somewhere. So, Well, hey girl, it was, it, you got them out the way. It, I did. And, <laughs> and I mean, it was a blessing. But when I look back, I'm like, I should have carved out more time for myself. So I think that maybe is a regret that I have. But I mean, at the end of the day, things play out how they're supposed to play out. And it's all in God's plan. But I will say that it definitely was a lot of self-doubt for a long time. And then one day I was in my office working on, I wasn't even working on the business. I think I was working on, I can't remember what I was doing. I was working on something. And it's almost like God spoke to me in that moment. I know it probably sounds cliche to some people that might be listening, but God spoke to me in that moment and was like, girl. I don't know if he said girl, but in my mind, he said girl. In your mind, he said girl. <laughs> in my mind, he what's this business that you said you were going to launch? Like you said, you're going to launch this boutique. It was going to be about A, B, and C, you know, women inclusive. What are you doing? You haven't done it. You've been sitting on When are you going to do what you're passionate about when are you going to make it happen and in that moment it was almost like my posture changed you know what i mean it's like i sat up in my chair i was like oh okay i hear you guys i got up walked into the room it was during football season so my husband was watching who knows what game or he he had 25 tvs and he watches all at, the the time. at the same time but anyway he was watching the game and i went in there and i was like hey I said, I'm going to launch this boutique. And he was like, what? So he turned around like, what? Because I had been talking about it before, but again, never actually acting on it. So I think that just shocked him. and He was like, oh, he was like, all right, well, let's do it then. Like, you know, like he was supportive right off the bat and that helped as well. And then I immediately got to work. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't know. I had no background. I have like my uncle. Entrepreneurs in my family. There was no blueprint. I didn't know what I was doing on you. Like, I really didn't. I started researching and I started reading and researching some more and reading some more for hours and days and months. And within six months, because that was October of 2018 when I made the decision, like, I'm going to do this. By April 2019, I had launched my groupies. Wow. with no business experience, with no not knowing anything. I just launched it. Well, you seem to be doing a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, you know, you find out along the way. I think a lot of times people, including myself, because I did it for years, you make excuses almost and you say like, oh, I don't have a blueprint. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do it because I don't have the experience. And it's just like, no, just do it. Like sometimes you just have to jump off the cliff and figure out on the way down. And I'm not a risky person. So that's a lot coming for me. I'm not necessarily the person who just jumps off the cliff. But I think once you decide to become an entrepreneur, you become that person more and more each day because you realize there's things that are out of your control and there are things that are in your control. You can only focus on what you can control. Exactly. Period. But how do you (laughs) juggle all
0: of these responsibilities in terms of like, this is a true, I personally, I've always had a, a real grinding spirit. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I could work 24 seven girl, got a couple of hours of sleep and wake up and do the same thing again. Yeah. And especially if it's something I'm interested in, it's something I'm, imp- I'm passionate mm-hmm. about. And, yeah. but when you have your kids and you have a husband and you have family and you have all these other responsibilities, mm-hmm. it becomes very
1: challenging. Like extremely challenging overwhelming and everything else in between i get that question a lot like how do you balance it all how do you do it all and the answer is i don't i figure it out along the way but i necessarily say i'm balancing we out here surviving like all of us are doing that so i just try to carve out you know four my husband for my kids forced to spend time exclusively as a family and then time for my business so it's a lot of planning it's not sexy right (laughs) people don't like scheduling you know like people like oh you gotta schedule a date with your husband you gotta schedule this like oh i want to be spontaneous i want to be you're not gonna be spontaneous boo not when you are a mom a wife got a nine to five and two businesses there's not a lot of room for spontaneity. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> you know, news, flash, no. You have to really come up with a schedule so you can make sure that you're able to kind of pour into all of those buckets, your family, your business, yourself. You have to take out time for yourself, which is something I already mentioned earlier that I wasn't doing before that I'm now doing more of, you know, whether it be a facial, a massage, meditation, just exercising, whatever it looks like to me. And self-care looks different to every person, right? But making sure that you're carving out that time for yourself too. So I will say that there are some weeks that I'm like, girl, you killed it this week. You did everything. You cooked dinner. Like, girl, you the boss. You the wife. You the mom. You the all the things, girl. And then the next week, I'm like, girl, you was a hot mess this week. You did get nothing done. Your to-do list is still down on the floor somewhere. Your kids look crazy. You look crazy. Your husband looking at you crazy. Like what's going on? So I balance it day to day and week to week. And I try to give myself grace. And anyone listening, you should do the same. That's the answer. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is not easy. As a matter of fact, girl. So you have to listen to my podcast episode that released this week. My podcast episode actually was an interview with my husband. Ooh, about it see it I, oh yeah I it, it literally it just dropped yesterday and i, I didn't advertise it yet
1: <laughs> oh my goodness oh no 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 I'm definitely taking that because I'm
0: kind of like what the hell did I do but the idea of that so yes and I called it what did we call it it was basically like the challenges of sort of trying to balance your purpose Yeah. And your shit show at the same time, because I'm not going to paint this beautiful, perfect picture that we have this perfect relationship. Like it's a we butt heads and a lot of it is about that. It's about we're in different places in our lives in terms of he like, I'm tired. I just want to sit down and I don't want to do all that. (laughs) And I'm like... Are you like, I got 20 things like, to do. No, yeah. I got more things I want to do. Like, this is... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm rebirthing this whole thing. I'm building, like, right. an empire over here. I ain't playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a challenge. And... It can be. Sometimes people make it seem easy, and it's not that easy. And you do have to do those yeah. hard things. You have to yep. schedule time. And I'm on this this kick now where I'm selfish. So, like... Yeah truly worrying about me first. And of course, yeah. I love my babies. And yes, I do take care of my babies, <laughs> especially the younger ones. Them older ones, mm-mm, y'all can figure it out. We have a blended family and it's seven of them from age seven to 32. So we got every type of problem or issue that you can imagine, not to mention, then we got a grandbaby. So, But I
1: think you said something that's really important that people shouldn't overlook. And it's being selfish, right? Like we think of that word and it, it carries such a negative connotation, but it's important to be a little selfish. My girl, Mercia Cummins, licensed therapist, extraordinaire, the curbside counselor. Yes. She, and shout out to Mercia. She says all the time to me as a friend, and I'm sure she probably talks about this with her clients as well, with being selfish, how important it is to be selfish because you have got... To pour into your cup and make sure your cup is full, so you can then pour into other people's cup. I think as moms, oftentimes, and it's part of it is innate, right? Because we're nurturers, we're always thinking about our kids first, which we should. But at the same time, it comes to a point where we don't think about ourselves at all, and we almost become these martyrs, where we just always giving ourselves, giving parts of ourselves away, away, giving it away, giving it away, giving it away, and then we're left empty. And then we become resentful and Mm -hmm. then we become angry and then we become combative. And then we're pointing the finger at everyone else for why we look this way, why we're acting this way, why we're treating other people this way, when in fact, it's because we decided not to put ourselves first and you have to take onus over that, right? It's so easy for us to blame everyone else. And I did it myself. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone that's listening to this podcast. I did it myself. When our kids were young, I was so focused on them and everything else. And my husband, he's the only child. So his friends are literally like his brothers, right? So he would still be hanging out and doing things. And I would be resenting him and mad at him because he was going to do things when I should have been planning time, more time with my friends, or I should have right. been carving out time to do things on my own but I wasn't because I was so 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 focused on the kids all the time so then when he would do anything I would be pissed
0: right and
1: that wasn't fair to him right and that's what we sometimes can do so you got to be able to have those difficult conversations with your significant other and work through that and and it's important for you to have that partner that'll basically check you that'll be like yeah nah you wilding right now or you know no this is what you should be doing or you know whatever so having that balance is important but Yeah, the the selfish piece I love and it shouldn't carry as much of a negative connotation as it does because it's important for us to be a little selfish. There's nothing wrong with being a little selfish if that allows you to be more of a whole person for the people around you.
0: And I like to also, instead of maybe I shouldn't say being selfish, I think I am putting up more effective boundaries. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting more boundaries around my time how I pour into others, how I pour into myself, because we talk all the time about a cup. You can't pour from no empty cup. Nope. You're not gonna get nothing. So I have to make sure that I have something in my cup to pour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that involves me doing things. Like for Mother's Day, I told my boys, my older boys are 20 and 25. And I said, mommy wants a spa day. That's all I wanted. I don't want to go out to dinner. I don't want to go to lunch. I wanted to go. I wanted a day just to myself. You want a spa day. That's exactly what I want. So I went and got a a manicure, a pedicure. I was in there for five hours. It was wonderful. Yes. I got a massage, a facial. That's my type of spa day. Yes.
1: And I, I, of course. Just walk around in a robe and just go from room to room. Yes. It's (laughs)
0: just like. sitting in a lounge. And yes. Girl, when it came time to leave, I was like, oh, do, do I have to leave? Like, right? <laughs> can I just spend the weekend right. they're looking at me like you still here yes
1: ma'am I'm still Ooh. here I'm, I have another can service I, schedule
0: can I have a, a, a cup of tea please please thank exactly you. <laughs> so yes yeah, so it's all about that I want to talk more about your the other things that you do so okay. this podcast part of this podcast is about owning your voice and really owning mm-hmm. your power and your true person. Yeah. And I feel like you do that and you help people be their authentic self through your yeah. branding and your stylist services. So can you
1: talk some yeah. more about that? Yes, the curated styles by Adrian ended up coming about from the boutique. So a lot of the women that I was servicing within the boutique were female entrepreneurs, women building new brands, and many of them were having trouble translating their style and their brand aligning the two so they would come and purchase items and they would say oh I have a photo shoot coming up and this is my brand but I don't really know would this work would this not work and then they started requesting styling services and they were like when are you going to start offering styling services and I was like oh my goodness because the piece of my business that I'm most passionate about and though I love e-commerce right but What I'm most passionate about is the people, the women, working with the women one on one. So when I would do pop-up shops or have private events in my home, private shopping events in my home, I loved working with women one on one and I loved that styling component. So I always knew that I would eventually launch a styling business, but I thought it would be five, six, seven years down the line, you know, after Mm -hmm. just sitting with the boutique. And I was getting requests for styling services within a year into the boutique. And I was like, wow, is this God trying to send me? Message. Start the business now. So that's what had me launch the business so so soon. So I launched it a year and a half into the boutique, and that's how Curated Styles by adrian came about because I identified that need of women that were building these brands and these emerging brands, and they really didn't know how to translate their style in their brand and, and get them to really align. They couldn't translate it, and it's so important when women are trying to show up for their brand to make sure that how they show up represents their brand voice. And I talk about that all the time, right? So if you're, I always give the example, if your brand represents wealth, but you showing up looking like you don't (laughs) have (laughs) no wealth, no one is going to really invest in you or take you seriously and so on and so forth. So the reality is, and you can call it what you want, We are judged based on how we look initially, right? It's that first impression. It's how you show up when you walk in a room. It's the same reason why you get dressed nicely when you go on an interview, right? You don't show up in sweatpants because it's that first impression. So you have to think about it the same way when you're thinking about showing up for your brand, your audience, your customers, whoever, that may be looking at you, you got to think about, okay, if I'm selling this service or I'm trying to put out this message, or I want them to take my podcast seriously, how am I going to show up and how am I going to keep them coming back? And it's important that you are showing up the right way. So that means that your style needs to align with your brand. So I love how I'm able to work with women and see that style transformation. That's the part I love the most. So being able to work with them in the beginning stages, in the ideation and the concepts and talking about their brand, what they want their brand to look like, what how they envision their style and then walking them through the style strategy process, which is a process with things. I use a style strategy method called the curated style concept that we implement and all the way through to the brand photo shoot, actually seeing the transformation on set. And I'm standing right there watching them show up for their brand exactly how we discussed weeks prior and to see it in real life, in living color. And for them to see the photographer hand them the camera and they see the photo and they're going crazy. It's just like, it's so fulfilling. I can't even explain to you how much I love it.
0: And we or maybe I just did. We did. <laughs> maybe I just did.
1: And I think I truly, like there are days when I, I
0: really am not, necessarily feeling myself, but if I get up and I put on clothes, then, or I get my hair done, like those outward you know, you could dress a thing up and that doesn't mean that it's still not broken on the inside, but there's something about putting on a fresh outfit. It's something about getting, for men, getting a fresh cut. It's something about women getting their hair done, rocking a new pair of shoes, rocking a new outfit, whatever it is. Like even my, like I have on exercise clothes right now, but my exercise clothes look cute. You know what I mean? Like I still want to Feel a certain. It makes you me feel a certain way if I look. It does. Way. It makes
1: you feel better when you. They always. When you look good, you feel good. When you mm-hmm. feel good, you do good. Again, it's maybe cliche for some people tired of hearing it, but the the fact of the matter is, it's true. It and is. And with it being health awareness month, I actually just posted about this recently and on my style blog about how fashion and mental health are related and the psychology of fashion and how it really can impact your mental health. And how when you do show up, like you said feeling better, looking better, you decide to, you know, get dressed up and not just throw on sweatpants every single day. Yeah, there there are going to be days where you dress down. That's fine. But when you take time and put time into how you look and you really look nice, you notice that your productivity increases. Yep. Right? You're more productive as a person, you're more productive maybe as an employee, as a boss, and all of that rubs off, right? Because if you feel better about yourself, then your kids see that you are more confident. Your husband sees it, or, you know, a a significant other partner sees that you're more confident. You're more confident at work. You're more confident with your team. If you're leading a team, you're a more confident leader when you feel and look better. So research has been done on it, right? This isn't something that I'm just making up. It's a fact you're more productive when you feel better about yourself and when you look better you feel better about yourself period like it's not even up for discussion right (laughs) agree
0: agree (laughs) so another thing I talk about a lot on this podcast is the fact that as individuals we're these complex creatures like I compare it to like peeling the layers of onion and so I want to ask you, what is something about yourself that people would be surprised to know? Because I think there are things, you know, like we said, people judge a book by its mm-hmm. cover, but Very there true. are layers to this cover and there's yes. lot of things there. And so something that you would feel comfortable sharing, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Especially on social, right? Because you got people showing uh, fake layers. They go to real layers, honey. You peel them layers back, honey. Ooh, it, it might be something rotten on the inside when you feel it. The- <laughs> yes, <laughs> a rotten back. core. Oh, a rotten core, honey. But let me get back to your question. I think something that probably would surprise people, and you somewhat alluded to it earlier when you talked about how you met me, is that I'm very much a private person, and can be very reserved. I'm almost like that ambivert, I think is how they define it, right? A person that is also an extrovert and an introvert. introvert. So I think people would be surprised to know that I had that introverted side of me because people see me on social media or they see me in social settings. And I'm like, I'm very much a social person. I'm engaging, I'm outgoing. And all of those things are true. I am actually like that in real life. However, to your point that you mentioned earlier, when I'm in newer environments, when I'm getting to know people, I'm very reserved. I'm very quiet. I'm not the loudest person in the room, even when I'm having fun. I've never been the loudest like girl coming. In, hey, y'all! like, I'm, I don't know if that's part of um maybe how I was raised a little bit more old school in a way where, mm-hmm. you, you know, a lady walks in the room and, you know, she, she can be seen and not necessarily heard or you don't have to open your mouth every time to speak, just to hear yourself talk. So I'm very, I don't want to say strategic, but I really think about what I'm going to say before I just say something all the time in the room, especially when I'm getting to know people. So I like to observe people. Oftentimes I'm observing how people are treating other people. Cause that tells me a lot about you when I can watch how you treat other people. So I'm always looking at that. I'm always looking at how people treat other people, especially if I know it's someone that's in a higher position, quote unquote, maybe from like, I don't know, from a socioeconomic status, maybe than someone else or they're maybe higher up on the ladder in leadership versus someone else. I always watch how people treat people because then that shows me how I have to deal with you or how, how I should handle you. So I'm always paying attention to that. And then. I think I would also say that I just like to kind of sit back before I just open my mouth and say something. My mother always taught me, like, you don't just talk to hear yourself talk. Like I said, if you're opening your mouth, you need to be adding some type of value to the room or the conversation. I'm just very cognizant of that. So sometimes when people meet me, they may think initially that I'm standoffish, but I'm not at all. Once they get to know me, a lot of people like, oh, man, you cool as I don't know what. Like, I ain't even realized. I was like I, I'm telling you, I have got that all my life on you. Like when people are like, I don't know about her, I don't know. And then when they meet me, they like, you are so cool, you are so nice, you're so sweet. I'm gonna be honest. I thought you were this, this, and that, but I was so wrong. And it's that reserved side of me and that introverted side of me that just wants to kind of be quiet and sit in my space alone. That kind of throws people for a loop a little bit, and I guess makes me like slightly mysterious to some. <laughs> but I'm really cool when you get to know me. But I'm, I'm definitely an observer. I'm not going to be the loudest person in the room ever. And that probably will never change.
0: Somehow I picked up on that because I think maybe because I'm in a lot of ways, I'm that way. But yes, I mm-hmm. could see how somebody could say that you were standoffish because you were yeah. you know, pretty quiet and kind of keeping to yourself and mm-hmm. you were participating in the activities that we were doing. But yeah. Yeah, I, I just sensed your good spirit.
1: I just was like... Yay! I'm so glad you sensed it and you didn't think it was like something bad. Because like I said, I feel like, like... oh, I, I got to follow her. I, 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 <laughs> I give off like, good energy, I think. I'm just... But I, I can be quiet. Very quiet. Right, right. It didn't
0: come off as, you know, bitchy or nothing like that. It just yeah, came off good. as...
1: I've uh, had people tell me to my face, like, girl, I thought you were a bitch when I met you, but you are not at all, blah, blah. You no. know, and I don't think it... I don't take it personally. Like, I right. just kind of laugh it off because I know where it comes from. Right. You know, like I, I can understand that. So it's fine. And so, one
0: last question. So, okay. what key to really kind of finding your voice and owning yourself and owning your voice do you wish that you knew like 10, 20 years ago? Mm. Stuff that you instill in your kids now or things. Yeah. Did you know how hindsight is? 2020
1: yes definitely that's such a great question. I would say I probably could think of a list of things, but if I just like highlighted a couple of things I would say self confidence really having that I'm really big on like just instilling that in my kids having that that confidence of I didn't always have it as a kid, even though my mom listen my mom was the hype woman of the year like she always hyped me up and poured into me, which is why I it finally blossomed and had the confidence I have now but you know I didn't always like the way I looked and I had like big glasses when I was young you know so you go through those weird awkward stages when you're younger so it's fine but I wish I had even more self-confidence when I was younger so I feel like I really really pour into my kids with the self-confidence piece like just them owning who they are being proud of who they are and if they feel a certain way about something, or they have an opinion, they shouldn't be scared to speak up. I think we came from an era where era where it was very much like, you're a child, stay in a child's place, you shouldn't open your mouth, you shouldn't have an opinion, blah, blah. but like, that's how we grew up, because that's how our parents grew up, right? So me and my husband have taken a slightly different approach. Now, let's be clear, my kids know better, okay? I'm still a black mama, whoever listening, don't like, my kids know, don't play with me, okay? I'm crazy. So let's just put it that way. But at the end of the day, I allow my kids to express themselves even more than I was allowed to when I was growing up. So I think that's also part of what forces to their confidence because they understand that in this household, even if you don't get your way, right, your opinion is valued. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to listen to your argument. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. you know. So I think those are the things that, Maybe I wish I had, I guess if I had to pick anything or things that I wish or things that were probably missing when I was younger that I feel like would have really helped me identify and find my voice even sooner because I would have been so confident and so like laser focused and I would have known exactly who I was or at least much more than I did at that time that I probably would have found my voice even earlier.
0: I love that. And girl, yes, we grew up in that same area. When our parents had company, don't come in the room, think you about to be talking, mm-hmm. about to ask questions, and think about interrupting me when I, I'm phone. Like there's mm-hmm. certain things that our kids these days, they have no, understanding. no your mama, understanding. Girl, your mama calling you in the room just to say, turn that channel because we ain't remote. no remote <laughs> Go pick up that remote control.
1: Right, exactly. That's why when I see the memes in the video shot, I laugh and cry because it's so funny. But but it's, I mean, it's a balance because when you allow, when you take that approach with your kids, you also have to know the other side of it. But sometimes they're going to say some stuff and you're going to be looking like, mm. you want to smack them. But then you have to remind yourself like, okay, I invited this. Okay. I let them know that they can express themselves to me. So I have to be able to be open to what they're saying and not like go into defense mode. But sometimes, girl, I'll be going back to the old school black mama sometimes, like, just shut up. I am. Right. You. Right. You know, and then my husband will be like, see, you wanted to give them choices. This is how you wanted it to be. So you can't get mad when they they tell you something. And I'm like, you're right. You're right.
0: It's a balance. That's for sure. That is for yeah. sure. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. This was so fun. So, so for those <laughs> listeners, y'all have no idea how long A.J. and I have been trying to get together. First, we had (laughs) scheduling challenges between her and me, trying to get it right. Then we actually did a full interview. What was more than a month ago now? Full blown interview. And that's when my computer was glitching. (laughs) Y'all, we did a full interview. And when I went to go pull up the recording, I had 37 seconds. 'Cause it was only the test
1: video that we did. Oh, I, y'all, y'all, are y'all listening? <laughs> Hello? It's look. Is this on? Is this on? Y'all better be on. I literally <laughs> fell out on the floor. I was like, You lost the recording. <laughs> I literally fell out, y'all, and rolled out the steps and everything. And then when I got back up, I said, of course, I will record with you again. I
0: I don't know what happened. We (laughs) know it was recording because I kept seeing it. It was definitely recording.
1: I saw the red light and everything. I don't know what that was about. And between
0: Zoom and my laptop, it disappeared. And then Zoom told me they didn't have no support. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Okay. So I'm so glad yes. that we finally got to do this. So, so am I. This is So fun. So I'm going to put in the show notes how my listeners can find you. But of course, I still okay. want you to please share with my owner tribe how they can find you.
1: Sure. So for Chic Essentials Boutique, that's C-H-I-C Essentials Boutique. You can find me there on Instagram and Facebook. And then you can also find me at chicessentialsboutique.com. Make sure you all sign up to be a part of the chic Committee. So drop in your email and your phone number and you'll get 20% off your first order when you use the code babe after signing up. And then for Curated Styles by Adrian, you can find me there as well on Instagram and Facebook and at CuratedStylesByAdrienne.com. You can click the link in my bio um, on Instagram and book a free 30-minute style strategy call. And within that call, we'll discuss your style pain point, any concerns that you have, and I will make the best recommendation. I look forward to working with you and helping you curate a awesome personal brand style. One that aligns perfectly with your brand.
0: Thanks, Adrian. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye guys. y'all. Till next time. Grace and peace. Thank you for joining the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review because I welcome and value your feedback. You can also tag me in your stories at It's On Your Day so I can personally connect with you and know who is in my tribe. I am looking forward to continuing to work with you to write your own story. Until next time, grace and peace.